Get updated with the hottest news in insurance, finance, and the newest innovation in InsurTech and FinTech. Hear it from one of the most known and respected voices in the industry, Dr. Robin Kiera.
I know we have already um, had an introduction of everybody of you um, about what do we really mean and uh, say and share one more thing somebody needs to know about you professionally and one thing and I want to be a little bit fair to like start with me. Uh, I'm a recovering Adrian sales agent and I've been clean for over six years. <laughs> and my private thing is I'm a diehard Hamburg sports club fan. I'm, I'm waiting for the first national title since 1988. I'm still waiting. Um, so, what, what one private, one professional thing you need to know about you? Um, so, I suppose professionally, maybe at times I can be I'm very much a numbers person with a physics background. Maybe I can be a little bit finickety when it comes to getting the numbers right. That's, I can sometimes annoy people. Uh, on the flip side, personally, um, and we, we made reference, Kirsty uh, made reference there a little earlier to, um, <laughs> to our tendency to be different. So uh, I, at university, I used to do a lot of uh, stage fighting, which is something I quite enjoyed. So. Stage fighting? That's, uh, like with fists or with swords? With fists, with swords, shields, uh, knife and dagger, horse staff, maybe. We hardly follow them. So, in other words, get the numbers right. Get the numbers right. All right, Jim, I guess they put us as money. I'll start with personal. Um, just to go the alternative to, to my friend, Felix, I was the longest baby in Scotland for 10 years. <laughs> longest baby in the world in Scotland. Especially, um, like you, I'm a, a recovering sales agent and stuff. His credentials as a sales agent was doing that for many years. What is your problem with your professional thing? Uh, so, professionally, um, I think something people should know, but maybe not when you get to know me really well. We work really closely, I'm pretty darn sarcastic. Um, <laughs> I have a kind of sense of humor, so we know we're working well with them. Poking, popping, and teasing you. Um, personally, I'm getting pretty decent at golf, but I haven't really admitted it. So if I'm at your event and it's a golf tournament, you shouldn't let me not play. So, so I'm terrified to play. So you're going to the top golf party tonight? I am. So professionally, I'm actually, I guess, I'm an economist by background, and uh, I, I've been accused of being a bit of a microbiologist. So I always get things ready to go. Um, and personally, I guess I'll go with that. I'm pretty much the worst golfer in the world. Don't ever shut up. Are you also going to the golf thing tonight? I don't know. They have my picture up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, um, uh, we were kind of happy we're able to cover a whole variety of the topics, but uh, maybe let's not go to insurance in 30 years. So, what do you guys think this insurance is going to look like? And what do you think that we as a community, insurers, carriers, accountants, and insurtech need to do to play an active role um, in that um, in the future? Um, who wants to be the brave person starting first? Okay, go for it. Um, I think 25, 30 years ago, there were going to be many different people in insurance. Have the same type. So, underwriters and actuaries, it's going to be more data scientists, engineers, digital is going to be much more in place. So, I think if we're going to attract younger talent to the industry, we have to start to look at 
providing much better tools from, from an insurance perspective. I think technology is a key part of that. So going forward, data is going to be critical to I think data scientists and quality engineers are going to be uh, really needed. So there might not be a lot of underwritten actions about all right, so the uh, intellectual and uh, the growth of the data scientists. Chris, what do you think? Well, I think it's sort of interesting to talk about the sharing economy today and what it's doing to change, change things in, in such dramatic ways. But insurance, the very old notion of insurance is shared risk. And so um, I think the roles do change. Argo, you know, I know that in your New York offices, digital professionals sitting right next to underwriters and claims, and you have them all together. I think that continues throughout uh, insurance um, companies. So I think for the insurance industries, you've always been about a sharing economy in a way, but how do you actually keep up with the nature of risk when it is changing so fundamentally? Yes, it is there. Um, I, I don't disagree that it's gonna move more towards state of technology, and so, the tip really is to start to think of yourself as a technologist and a technology company and how you serve that customer where they are. Um, and how uh, I think the insurance industry of the future is quite a bit less risk averse than it is today. I mean, as a um, physicist, I'm a physicist, um, physicist not hard work, I'm sorry. Um, what do you see your take on that? Um, there's a couple of things I'd like to say there. First of all, I don't think we need to wait 25 to 30 years before we're going to completely revolutionize the insurance and insurance works. Um, data is already at the heart of what we do. We're just not using it as efficiently and effectively as an industry because we should. Um, very quickly, we're going to find that certain people are going to differentiate their operations and crush the competition. Do you have something concrete in mind for that? I can give you an example. We can consider the. So I've worked in the past in financial markets, and if you look at the banking industry, um, it it didn't take decades to change. It took less than a decade to change, and it went from a trading desk where you had individuals making um, making decisions on pure feels and that sort. Um, to people making hard decisions based on numbers, based on facts, making use of Monte Carlo simulations, making use of quantitative metrics that allow them to measure the risk, transfer the risk, hedge the risk, and execute in such a fashion that they could cut out the competition. Do you see already more creative cracks in the industry that could indicate uh, such a matter, especially when it comes to data and how we uh, use data for managing and evaluating risk? Yep, yep, definitely. So um, there's a few key things there. One, it is the ability for us to transfer risk in units, and we're doing that as an industry in the way that we leverage the uh, capital markets through ILS and things like that. That is going to grow, that gravity will expand. Um, two, in the way that we actually trigger the insurance products themselves. Yeah. Um, we're moving from something that is laborious and slow and claims adjusting and all that to something that is rapid and quick. Um, we're using drones, we're using um, parametric products, and we're carving up that risk, selling it on, and I think that will really see the change. In, in, in 30 years' time, I can't believe that it will be I do agree, I disagree. Yeah. Oh, sorry, close, yeah. Um, 
I, I agree. I agree. I, but I, I guess I guess I, I, I'll caveat with one thing. I think change and talk these changes, but mind you, they, they tend to they tend to take longer than we ever think they're going to take. They, when they actually happen, you know, you always think it's coming, it's coming. They tend, they tend to they tend to take longer to get there. But I think once it does happen, it, it, it's very rapid, right? It's very quick. It's not a it's not a quick it's not a long progression change. Once that change happens. You see it, um, it, it does happen uh, very quickly. You know, things like autonomous cars, wearable sensors. These things, you know, once, once they become the way, it will become just So I do agree that the change will be rapid. Now, when, when that change takes place in the next 30 years, um, that's, that's a tricky uh, question. But once it happens, um, it certainly will be quick. I always say that we would know when that is going to happen. We all have already resolved our car diets. Like betting on the stock price or something like that. Um, we talked in our preparation calls also about the role of the community, and uh, we all said, um, and I mean, not correctly, that the community is, is important. We had a discussion about um, do we really see collaboration in the insurance industry? Because I sometimes feel it's nothing as hard to bring not only insurtechs that are sitting each other at the table, but actually the incumbents together to work together. Um, do you see a true change there, and what kind of role could something like this initiative in the ITC play there? I think it's a great question. I think you see it in pockets, but it's still, I think, a challenge uh, for the insurance industry. Uh, but I think you do start to see it happen. And as um, insurtechs become more competitive, force in the industry, I think it's going to force more uh, cooperation. Uh, I think you see things like Beth Hamilton um, and Atune um, as one partnership, like you see certainly a lot of them on, you know, on the uh, emerging blockchain um, initiative. At Valley, we have a, a data consortium where over 60 carriers contribute data because they understand they're going to get more benefit than looking at you know, their data alone. So I think you do see it in pockets, but I still think there is a cultural mindset that, um, that needs to be broken down in order to move the industry forward. I think we, we, see, we see a lot of um, collaboration across the industry and so we just kind of take all the think tanks. Um, but I, my, my personal feel is in, 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 in the short term or in the early stages, you know, collaboration and, and cooperation um, are a little easier. There's not, you know, the stakes kind of are smaller, um, they feel smaller. To me, the, the big question would be what happens when this really does, when this change actually does happen. We see that, that biology that we're talking about. Um, what happens to the cooperative ideas um, that kind of, you know, really, so we kind of go back to our own borders and you know, as competition takes over. And do you have an impression of what makes a good collaboration and what is the secret sauce of a good collaboration that is successful? Uh, alignment of interest, right? I mean, it has to be profitable for everybody. It has to be, you know, people, people are going to be, you know, we like, it's nice to think everybody's altruistic and doing it for the good of the industry, um, but frankly, it has to be in everybody's interest, uh, everybody's best interest to kind of cooperate with each other. So, I think there's actually two sides to collaboration in insurance. There's the risk-taking side, which we're familiar with, um, we've collaborated well as an industry, and it's going to be the insured, the carrier, the brokers, the reinsurers, their insurers, you know, there's a whole chain there as well as that. So you, you know how to collaborate. You 
how good it um, risks are. And, and then you've got the, <coughs> the more challenging side of things, which, which is the technology. It is the uh, competing interests side of things. And this is difficult to put down. One of the things I draw attention to would be uh, blue marble microinsurance, which is a venture that Hamilton is involved with. It's really started by Brian Dupro, who was our CEO. And um, the, the goal there is to try and um, help address the protection gap by working in collaborations. Uh, nine, nine companies work in collaboration to try and address the underserved and the developing nations. Deploying products, which draw attention to the last question uh, that used parametric triggers on rainfall in um, Zimbabwe to provide crop insurance to small farmers. So it's that sort of innovation um, that, as, as you know, Africa is going to be 40% of the world's population by, by the end of the century, that, that sort of innovation now for the future. That, that is a vested interest for all parties because we all know it's a growing market, it's difficult to hit right now. We want to be in there early so that we can ride away. And that's, that's how it works. So you all drew a quite positive um, picture of collaboration, but what I hear sometimes in the market are two things. Um, when it comes to the cooperation between tech companies, maybe smaller and big, um, or especially tech companies that say, we get invited a lot from service providers, from insurers, um, and they pick our brain, um, and then they go into um, large meeting rounds, and uh, at Century later they maybe get a mail or they get a feedback for that. Um, this is a little bit sometimes like window shopping. Um, on the other hand, um, they have insurers saying they're tired of inviting somebody only because he doesn't wear a suit or a hoodie. Um, and doesn't understand the industry. Do you have any take on how to um, increase that sort of collaboration? You're all laughing, so you have all the story to share, I think. Well, on the technology side, you know, even the most technology providers look at an industry like telematics, and I think it's really hard for the industry to take advantage of telematics because there's so many small providers um, that it's so fragmented that there's not a great holistic solution. So even amongst the hoodies, there could be some more collaboration there, too. Um, I do think for uh, a technology company and the insurance company, it has to come down to what Jim said. There has to be a real business need. And so sometimes it's that business language that where you see the biggest gap. I have a great technology solution. It may sound like I'm looking for a problem. I may actually have a great solution, but I don't know how to communicate it in a way that you can connect it to your real business problems and goals. I think that that communication gap sits in a lot of the words we raise to. Can I tell you, so I don't know if we've got a digital room that's probably full of hoodies, would you call them? I mean, like hoodies, I also wear hoodies, don't get me wrong. But the thing with that is they're very smart and kids who don't know the industry. Bring them to the industry and look at what we've done for years. They have some very good ideas around how to do it differently. And I think you know, bringing them together and, and then see how insurance used to work and give it some ideas around how it could work if they put, you know, if you put the hoodies in the room. And I think that really will make a difference if we've been doing that, you know, for a while now. It really does, especially when somebody's been managing a workers' call book for 30 years and you bring a, a, a smart hoodie in and they say, why did you do it that way? Yeah, a good example. What was the example that impressed you the most that you thought? Well, that's a very simple question. I actually should have asked ourselves a picture of the 
And the example I'm getting is just sort of data, we've touched on data. I mean, yeah. Today, you know, the younger generation looks at data, they don't look at the structure, they look at structure, they just look at the data. So we tend to choose it as we structure our data. We really look at data this it's just data, there's a lot of it, so let's go get it. Where we tend to think that in the industry that it's not data, we can get it. But it's not anymore. There's so much data out there, and they just say, well, we can fix that because we can get the data to do it. So for me, it's around, you know, an example is looking at a problem and bringing data in to solve that issue. All right, thank you very much. Um, another key word in the time, the long time of our panel was innovation. And I think a question that arose over the last month or one to years was not we need to do innovation, but how do we measure innovation? Um, because it's like a critical question, why should we not invest the budget? And give some, you know, um, tips, uh, especially for the audience, and how do you internally measure innovation? And when it is, when is innovation a success? So, so 